1: Welcome back, and welcome to the sounds of the season, Christmas music. It's going to be with us for the next several weeks. This weekend, an annual event as St. Louis Cathedral Concerts will host the St. Louis Archdiocesan Choirs and Orchestra for the annual Christmas at the Cathedral Concerts. Joining me in studio are Scott Kennebeck, Executive Director of Saint Louis St. Louis Cathedral Concerts. Horst Buchholz is the music director for the St. Louis Archdiocese, and Diane Burpee Alto, longtime member of the Archdiocesan Choir. Thank you all so much for being with us. Good morning, Don. Thanks Good for having morning. us. Thank well, you. What a, what a great way to start the segment, huh?
0: With well, yeah. Joy that, to the world. The... Merry Christmas. All yeah. that stuff. Tis the season. Yeah, absolutely. Is well, you yeah, Actually,
2: gave away our encore already. I mean, that's what we're going to sing. <laughs> it's usually a surprise, but you played it already. I don't know what, what
1: to say. Listen, yeah. people <laughs> are going to be hearing "Joy to the World" for a lot over the next couple of yeah. weeks.
2: Right? You know, that's the only carol that does not even mention Christmas. You can technically sing that 360 days, uh, 365 days a year.
1: Well, I never thought of it that way. Uh Why then did it become such a Christmas favorite?
2: Well, because that's where it came from. But it's not one of those, uh, uh, the little Jesus in the manger or kind of you see the angels and the shepherds. No, no, it's joy to the world. The Lord has come. So something that is really applicable, I think, for every people that believe in Christ and Christmas, uh, um, a 365 carol.
1: Scott, there is such a wide variety of uh, of, of Christmas music. It must be uh, difficult for you, I suppose, to choose what you're going to perform for these annual concerts. Well,
0: there is. There's a ton of great Christmas music, and Horace does a great job programming this particular concert for us. Um, we're we're doing the Vivaldi Gloria this year, which is a wonderful piece. You know, celebrating the joy of the glory of the Lord. Uh, the whole first half is actually all Vivaldi music. We're doing uh, Winter from Vivaldi's Four Seasons, and then Combining that with the Gloria, so it's going to be a great first half. The second half of the concert, we have carols, a beautiful setting of "What Child Is This" by Grant Cochran with lush string setting. It's just amazing in the space. It's so beautiful. And then we have carols. The kids choir is going to sing. We've got bells that'll be ringing. It's just going to be a great, great evening and afternoon of music with the two performances. I, it
1: always is, and we'll point out that it's going to be held this weekend. Uh, let's see, I've got the uh, Saturday. Times, uh, yes, Saturday, Saturday at, at eight. eight o'clock at the cathedral. I'll be and uh-huh. at 2:30 p.m. on on, on Sunday. Sunday,
0: yeah. And tickets are still available for both concerts. We have better availability for the Saturday evening performance. Everyone likes to come for the Sunday afternoon performance, but uh, we do still have tickets available for both of those. Right at cathedralconcerts.org.
1: Diane, how many of these concerts have you performed in?
3: Oh, I'd say 17. I've been in 17 years, mm. and I've.
1: Talk to Enjoyed me if you everyone. would. Yeah, I was going to ask you to just tell me a little bit about performing. for th- These concerts are so very special, and of course the, uh, the venue is, is marvelous for this.
3: Oh, there's nothing like singing in that cathedral. We stand on the altar and look out at the, the beautiful church, the mosaics, and, and all the people who have come to enjoy that. A nice thing about singing in the concerts is that we sing to people who may not otherwise have come to the cathedral, who may never have been to the cathedral before and to bring the, this beautiful, sacred music to uh, maybe a new audience.
1: Talk about the programming, horse a little bit, uh, if you will. Scott's given us a rundown, but uh, what, what's your role in pulling all this together?
2: Well, I mean, everybody has a little bit different expectations. Uh, um, I mean, we have really a mixture of everything. We have classical music on there. I mean, like the Vivaldi Gloria uh, um, or the the Four Seasons, uh, played by our wonderful concertmaster uh, Lenora Enop uh, um, and uh, Vivaldi is just one of the most popular composers. But then some people want to hear Christmas carols. And so the, there is a number of carols in various settings on the second half. So we really have something for everybody on this program. I think that's like a specialty. It's not just a uh, carol... Uh, uh, Non stop carol singing or something like that. And we want the audience to sing as well. So we usually have one carol at the end. I'm not going to say which one that is. Uh, (laughs) That everybody will be able to join in and sing with
1: the choirs. Singing with a group, Diane, is. I've never done it (laughs) for good reason. (laughs) But just, uh, you know, working with a large group, a, a chorus, a choir, um, how does that affect you as an individual when you're performing?
3: Oh, it makes you so much better because you learn from the singers around you as well as from the director. Mm-hmm. Um, it's There's nothing like being a part of that. You know, you can sing by yourself. You can sing with a couple other people. But singing in a large group is just... Um, it's a challenge. It can be a challenge, but it's a wonderful challenge. It's very satisfying, especially when you play um, Horst mentioned Lenora, and the whole orchestra. It's it's just a wonderful a wonderful experience.
1: Scott, what's the challenge for, for you in working with a, a large group?
0: It's like herding cats.
3: It <laughs>
1: is
0: like herding cats. Thanks a no lot. No offense, Diane, no offense. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of moving parts that you have to try to keep uh, in line and on schedule and all that. But uh, adding to Diane's, you know, singing with a large group of people, there's studies now that show that, you know, a large group of people singing together can get in the same heartbeat rhythm same breathing pattern and that's a relaxing kind of a thing you know mm. it's a stress release it's just an incredible oh, an much. incredible uh, opportunity to to have a communal experience mm-hmm
1: very much what what is the history of of choral music if you will i mean when oh my gosh. do we know <laughs> well do we, do we have we about 4 days no. to talk well, about I, this <laughs> I, i'm just wondering you know, where where and how it got started or do we even know
0: i i, I don't know that we know exactly but i mean the, the english uh, British choral tradition is very extensive, all the way back to the Renaissance. You know, with Thomas Tallis and William Byrd, all those composers that wrote for smaller choirs, not as big as our choir or <clears throat> as as the big mass choirs. But uh, choral singing has been around forever. I mean, it, it, as long as music has been around, you know, the voice was the first instrument. So when you get a group together, whether you're singing in unison, like a Gregorian chant, all the way back to the, you know, the, the early, early period of, uh, of music's existence, um, all the way up to polyphonic things, Bach, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think choral, choral music has always been a part of, of the community wherever you are. And we're, we're excited to share this more with our St. Louis community. What, Diane, what drew you to it?
3: Well, I was encouraged to audition for the Archdiocesan Choir, as I said, 17 years ago after having sung with parish choirs for a number mm-hmm. of years. Um, and really, the uh, liturgical aspect of it was something that I was uh, anxious to, to do. I had sung in community choirs, community choruses, and I like the idea that this is actually a ministry that we sing for, oh, like the Chrism Mass on Holy Thursday, we sing for the ordination of priests, uh, the Feast of Corpus Christi. It's not really a concert choir, but it's it's a wonderful. I remember the thrill I had the first time I walked through the doors, marked, choir and clergy only. I thought, mm-hmm. oh. That's me. You know, I feel very privileged to be able to sing in that group. And having said that, it's even though it's not a concert choir, when we do get to sing a concert such as this, it's just it's very satisfying, as Scott said, to bring this to the community.
1: Yeah. Horace, what drew you to it?
2: Um, well, I sang as a boy in a boys choir, mm. and uh, um, then decided that church music is really something that fascinates me, um, not just the music, the repertoire, but also uh, the ministry aspect of it. Mm. And so um, I studied church music first in Germany, uh, then um, studied conducting, um, got my doctorate in the <clears throat> United States, and somehow got stuck here. So <laughs> And I never returned, and uh, I've been in the United States now for more years than I lived in Germany. Which is where I grew up.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: What What is the background of of the choir? How long has it been?
2: Well, the the choir, the Archdiocesan choir, has been around for about thirty years or so, or a little more, maybe. Not
0: quite that long. It was originally started um, around the papal 1994, visit, nineteen ninety four, actually. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the uh, with uh, uh, when uh, Cardinal Regali was was installed as Archbishop mm-hmm. here It was really yeah. when it first mm-hmm. got its its impetus, but it really blossomed with the papal visit of Saint John Paul II in nineteen ninety nine. So, but it was
2: mainly intended to be a liturgical choir that would okay. sing for larger celebrations at the cathedral and elsewhere uh, and then um, the Christmas concert and we've done other concerts as well uh, grew out of that um, so that people um, not only sing in the back of the church where they're invisible but occasionally take the stage and Scott and his uh, team of elves does a marvelous <laughs> job people don't know that when they come to the concert but they really transform the cathedral into a stage I mean, uh, it takes a lot of effort to put that together so that the orchestra has place to sit and, and the choir place to stand
1: who are the choir members
2: the choir members are really uh, members of parish choirs I mean the core of the archdiocesan choir is the cathedral choir that sings there every week. And then the uh, um, additional members come really from parishes all over the archdiocese. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's uh, listen to more of the music of the type that folks will be hearing this weekend. We have a couple of selections. We've heard part of Joy to the World. Let's go to uh, The First Noel, which is another pop note. And anything you want to say about that before we listen? No,
2: that, that's, that's again one of the great English carols, so uh, let's just listen to it and enjoy it. The First
1: Noel. first Noel. I, I thought we were on the air a minute ago. We weren't. You said it's an old <laughs> English carol. Tell me about its background.
2: It's an old English carol. Don't take that too little. It's not the first Noel that was ever written, no. of course. Uh, but the, it comes out of the uh, English tradition and here, actually, this is an arrangement by Sir David Wilcox, who was one of the great uh, uh, English choral conductors, composers, and arrangers and as a very festive uh, setting
1: of that uh, that text and the music. Scott in in the world of religion um, why is it that Christmas dominates musically
0: if you will I mean we don't have a lot oh, wow. of Easter songs and well that's other... not that's not entirely true I think there's a lot of Easter repertoire a lot of other things but I think part of the the dominance of Christmas has to do with the commercialization of it as well mm, um, mm. so that would kind of veer off the religion aspect of this mm. question but I think uh, you know, People just identify with Christmas and the coming of our our Savior as a baby. That's that's the mystery of it, and the you know it's it's easily shared in the music of the season. I think, mm-hmm. at, at least what we do at the cathedral now, people aren't going to hear Frosty the Snowman and Jingle Bells and things like that at the cathedral. So we are. It's more traditional, more uh, more sacred style of music uh, to really express the joy and the mystery of the season.
1: Diane, you've been saying this for a long time. Do you have any thoughts on that as to why Christmas dominates musically?
3: Well, I think people can connect with music. It speaks to everybody. It speaks even people who aren't musicians. They, they may not be able to express it verbally, but put them in a Christmas concert listening to music, it's, it just connects.
0: And really in that space, I mean, with this music yes. in that space is a whole other dimension for a Christmas <laughs> concert. You know, there's a, there's a Christmas concert everywhere these days. You know, all, these, all the mm-hmm. halls have them, all the, all the theaters have them. But to hear the Christmas music, music of the season in a sacred space like the cathedral, adds just a whole other dimension to the experience. Oh. Go ahead, Diane.
3: One other thing that I thought of, horse mentioned the wonderful um, arrangement of what child is this. There are a lot of things that we sing. They're not the same old arrangements that you hear on right, right. you know, in the shopping malls or anything. Mm-hmm. the that arrangement that is I just got goosebumps. It is so mm-hmm. beautiful. It's worth the price of admission to hear that one song. Mm-hmm. And I think people get excited about that when it's not just the same old thing. Mm-hmm. I had someone.
2: Oh. And com- uh, coming back to the question that you uh, asked earlier, I think uh, Christmas music expresses joy and and Easter, well, we've talked about the joy of Easter, so, but that is not nearly the same. And I think it's that feeling of joy that really draws people into the music. Mm. And you can hear that in a lot of these carols.
1: I have a note here that it, uh, on the computer saying Han- Handel's Messiah was originally written for Easter, but now it's mm-hmm. used almost exclusively at uh, Christmas time.
2: Well, the Messiah has several portions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is the, the Christmas portion, which is about the first hour of it. And then the whole thing is really performed in its entirety. It's like, what, two and a half Twenty hours, hours, hour. hours yeah. And then oh. there is a, a portion that is more appropriate for Easter, the Hallelujah Chorus and, and and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, yeah, the, what you hear for uh, Christmas and Christmas concerts is usually just the Christmas portion of the Messiah. Right. Really, do people talk about the Passion, uh, mm-hmm. suffering, death of Christ? Uh, um, because there are some uh, worthy as the Lamb that was slain. Uh, there's also those are also parts of the Messiah. Nobody wants to hear that for Christmas. You
3: yeah, yeah. For unto I, uh, us a child is born.
2: Right, right. That's, for us a child is born. Well, yes. Everybody
3: knows.
1: I also have a, a message here saying <laughs> a, a listener Lisa sent a tweet questioning if "Joy to the World" is the only carol that doesn't mention Christmas. She's
2: going after you. <laughs> <it? laughs> yeah, no, I, have to, I would have to research that a little bit. But it's one that I thought uh, uh, we actually sing it uh, um, even uh, in February usually. I mean, like uh, uh, for Candlemas uh, uh, it's one of those that technically does not fall in the Christmas season anymore. But uh, that's something that reminds us of Christmas, but it doesn't say talk about uh, uh, the angels standing around the uh, manger or mm-hmm. so. It's not a, a picturesque uh, a carol in that way.
1: How does our tradition here differ from the, that uh, with which you grew up, under which you grew up uh, that's in Germany? That's
2: a little bit d- different because I mean, I've been away for almost 30 years. Um, I think Germany has also become more commercialized. I mean, as Scott mentioned that when I mean, you hear a, a, a lot of jingles in the malls and, and, and so on. But when I grew up there, um, it was certainly a little bit more quiet, the whole mm-hmm. celebration of Christmas. Uh, and the German carols, uh, I mean, look at something like How uh, um, or Rose or Blooming or Silent Night. Those are usually the more quiet carols, not all of them, but there are uh, a mm-hmm. lot of
1: those uh, in that. Silent Night was an uh, Austri- Austrian, wasn't it? Yes. It was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stillenacht Heiligenacht. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when I lived there, I was always surprised to see that you know, people were using lighted, lighted candles on the Christmas tree. <laughs> they, <laughs> they still do pretty that. Dangerous, <laughs> <laughs> pretty dangerous. <laughs> and there was do. usually
2: a bucket with water next to it. I
1: would think that that would have to be the case. Scott, how difficult is it to put together a program like this? You're working with a lot of people. You're, you're working with a lot of music. It is. How long does it take? <laughs> Don't <laughs> how long say hurting cats again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't.
0: I won't. Uh, it, it takes several months to, to get everything. You know, the music selected, the music to players, to for them to be ready for the performance. The rehearsals with the choir. So it's it's a it's a time timely, uh, time consuming process. But it you know it's done with joy, and you know sharing it with the community is what we're all about. So you know we just want people to come out and experience the music in the cathedral.
1: How how much rehearsing do you do you have to do?
0: It's usually about. Five or six weeks of rehearsals with the choir, and then uh, the the orchestra we have are all professional music uh, musicians uh, that make this as their living, so they're used to coming in fairly quickly and, and being able to, to perform at a high level. So, mm-hmm. so we had a rehearsal last night, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. we'll have a rehearsal Friday night mm-hmm. and then on with the show on Saturday.
1: We've only got a few seconds left, but we have a question here for you, Diane. Uh, do members of the choir hear the music sung in the same way the audience does? You're surrounded wow, by- that's no. Oh,
3: that's a good question. It's not at all the same because you hear, what's very important when you're in a choir is to blend and so we're listening to the parts around us the other the other sections sure. and a lot of times you you just hope it it sounds as wonderful out there as it does around you. Yeah. The space but between the, the space, audience and the performers mm-hmm. is where the magic happens. Exactly, right now. Right now. Right now. especially in the cathedral. Yeah.
1: Another reminder, as our time winds down, the concert's uh, December 1st, 8 p.m. That's for Friday night, I guess. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, night, Saturday night. Sorry, Saturday night. Second concert, Sunday at 2.30 p.m. at the Cathedral Basilica. Thanks so much, Scott Kennebeck. Great to see you again. Thank you, Don. great to see you. Thank you. And Diane Burby, thank you for being with us.